Well, this morning is going to look a little different, um, just a little, little bit different. Um, kids are not dismissed, and so kids uh, four years old or whatever and up, they're going to be in here and know this. Like, I'm fine with noises. I'm fine with uh, little uh, wiggles, you know, whatever, um, and the rest of us are too. And I just think having kids up here is, is absolutely wonderful because they teach us so much. But then also, as I'll share later, um, more is uh, caught than taught. Your kids watch you more than you realize, and they mimic your behavior, and they learn from your example more than you, uh, you think. And uh, if you don't uh, think that, just uh, whenever you have a kid, and they're two or three years old, and they say something, and you're like, wait, I didn't teach you that. And they're like, oh, I just learned that from you and uh, from what you said. And you're like, ooh, that's, that's right. Uh, but uh, this morning, I want to share some testimonies, um, share a little passage, share a story, and then share an update. And, and frankly, as I was thinking about all that God has been doing, um, I just started yesterday just writing down lists of ways that we all have seen God work in the past week. And I actually have, were just amazed. And I know I'm missing some things, but just one thing after the next um, came to my mind. And it just was so encouraging for me. I'm like, I just want to share a ton of what I see God doing and what you're seeing God doing uh, all around our community. And last Sunday, we were not in this space, uh, but it was a gift to have the Every Heart team uh, from Grand Rapids uh, with us and such to have a gift to have them here this week. Um, they're so full of life and passion for Jesus. And I want to just, uh, before I begin, I don't even think, oh, there's Tanya. Tanya's here. I want to thank Tanya, the, the Bybies and the Boobies. They hosted uh, the girls. Uh, so each of them had four uh, girls in their uh, house uh, throughout the week and they provided food for them and stayed up late. I know Tanya was like, man, it's been another late night talking. And uh, college students, they get going at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, us older people were like, oh, 10 o'clock at night, it's time for bed. So thank you uh, to the Bybies and Boobies for that. And as I think about that group, um, Jesus has always worked through young people. Every generation, there's just been this move of young people that, that come and uh, their hearts are set on fire for Jesus and there's a, a freshness about them and God seems to move powerfully uh, through them. I think back to the 70s and the movie that many of you saw and shared this uh, past uh, spring, the Jesus Revolution movie, thousands going to the beach and getting baptized, a whole new generation of Jesus people um, through uh, that, that God uh, got their attention, a bunch of young people. And then I fast forward to the 90s, and many of you were in college or just out of college, and there was a move of God here in West Michigan at Hope College that was so significant. There was a couple young people who came up from Chicago. They drove up, I believe it was a Sunday night. They talked to the chaplains, and they said, we feel we have a word for Hope College. And one of the chaplains uh, listened to the word and said, oh yeah, you know, I think that's relevant uh, for today. And these young people got up on the stage and they shared a word at the gathering on a Sunday night. And the Holy Spirit fell in the mid-90s and resulted in numerous days where young people would worship late into the, 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 to the evening, into the morning hours. They would line up on Dimnit Chapel one after another confessing their sins to one another. And there was a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in the 90s. And during the week, as they had chapels, uh, businessmen from downtown would come to chapel at 1030, shutting down their offices uh, to go to chapel. And this spread throughout the Midwest on college campuses. I was at Calvin at the, at the time, and we didn't see a move of God to, to that extent. But there was a growing hunger for Jesus in the mid-90s as people's hearts were opened and touched by the Holy Spirit. Young people, God has always moved through a generation, and they get to this spot where they're like, we just want Jesus, and they bring a freshness to them. And I look at this past week, 
and a group from every heart as we gathered together and worshiped last week, um, I never want to get in their way. But I want to be a community of people that empower them and encourage them. And yeah, they're going to do things differently than I would do it. They would sing a chorus numerous more times than maybe I would sing it. Um, But I'm like, their hearts are so set ablaze. I am never going to get in the way. And so I've just been so encouraged just to to see them turn loose, to watch them go. And I just want to empower young people here and young people wherever to go after the gospel with all their energy. And so this past week, we've seen a ton of things. Last Sunday, that's where we were out at uh, Collin Park, worshiping together with many, many people. And I heard this after the fact, uh, after we were worshiping. I didn't know this at the time, but while that gathering was taking place, there was a young man who was playing electric guitar, and maybe you saw this. He set his guitar down in the middle of a worship set because he saw somebody walking by. And as this person walked by, he went up and he said, hey, how are you doing? And they got into a conversation, and it was like, hey, where are you at with Jesus? And the guy said, well, I'm not in a, in a good spot, and I need to have a significant change in my life. Well, he said, have you heard the gospel? And this man said, yeah, he's heard the gospel. And then he said, well, what is preventing you from accepting Jesus? Do you know the cost? And this man said, oh, it's going to cost me everything. My whole life is going to, is going to end up changing. And the guy who's playing guitar said, are you willing to count that cost? And he said, absolutely, gave him his vape and gave his life to Jesus right then and there. That took place as we were worshiping last Sunday. Last Sunday, as we were worshiping, there was forgiveness between people. During worship, there were two people. There there was something in between these two people. And in the middle of worship, somebody came up. One person came up to another and just said, you know what? I forgive you. Will you forgive me? And there was forgiveness that happened in the midst of worship. We worshiped with people who we haven't been worshiped with in a while, And in that gathering, there were people that were inspired to share the gospel with their neighborhood. And I shared with these young people from every heart, I said, never underestimate the power of your example. In 1 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, he says, be an example for believers in speech, conduct, love, purity, and faith. And that is what that group was doing this past week. Fast forward to Monday, Memorial Day. They came downtown Zealand, watched the parade go by, a little a small town Americana, you know, with this Memorial Day parade going by, and they were holding up a sign that said, Need Prayer. And I'm like, oh, that's, what's, is anybody going to come up to my front yard and, and uh, actually ask for prayer? And sure enough, as soon as they held up the sign, there was a man that came up and said, Are you serious? You'll pray for me? And they said, yeah, we'll pray. And they prayed for his hands. They prayed for some physical stuff that was going on. And there were a couple other people that came up and they asked for prayer. After the parade, they got into Heritage Home, which is downtown Zealand. They, they got in there some way, somehow, and they went through every room and prayed for everybody in Heritage Home. They also ran across the Adamas downtown and heard their story. And they came back and they were like, we just heard the most amazing story. These older people are walking by faith and they, met, they were talking to Ryan. They're like, they're so inspired by your faith. And they came and they couldn't help but share about it. Tuesday, fast forward to Tuesday, the Bibies and the Boobies were having dinner with them. And the Bibies and the Boobies were sharing their stories, sharing their story of pain and joy all, around, all uh, during their life, following Jesus through the ups and downs. And I heard from this group later that that was one of the highlights of their week as they heard uh, uh, from a couple that is older in life and still passionately following Jesus. Fast forward to Wednesday this past week. There was a group of us here that went out to the Holland State Park. And I purchased 80 hamburgers and 36 hot dogs, thinking, you know what, it's the beginning of summer, we can use that later. 
We can freeze it and use it later. We went through 80 hamburgers and 36 hot dogs as we just met people out at the Holland State Park and shared the love of Jesus with them. Behind the Holy Spirit and prayer, food is the greatest weapon when it comes to sharing the gospel. <laughs> Frankly, Jesus has used it. He, he was known as a glutton, you know, friend of sinners and tax collectors because he ate with them. And food, what happens is you, you slow down and you end up talking with one another. And there was just a snapshot of some of the people that came on Wednesday night. Two girls that came on Wednesday night that were just going to the beach encountered somebody from our group. And they knew, later we, we heard this, they knew that when they were going to the state park on Wednesday night, they knew that something was going to be different. See, they had lived a life filled with depression and anxiety, a troubled life. And they knew that this day something was going to change. And so they were walking on the path and they walked by somebody from every heart and they knew that that person had something for them. Well, when they crossed paths inside of this young man clicked, he's like, I need to talk to them. And he turned around and he talked to these two girls, shared the gospel with them, shared them how much Jesus loves them, that he invited them into a relationship with them, that they have to turn and they confess their sins and turn and put their faith in Jesus. And they did that on Wednesday night. And later, after eating a meal together, they were asked, do you want to be baptized? And then this is what happened on Wednesday night in the cold waters of Lake Michigan. Two girls were baptized. They weren't planning on getting baptized, but they came and they got baptized. And we got their contact information and we're planning on, on following up with them. Another story that happened, I'm going to have Mike share just from where he's at. Mike is usually one to talk with a number of people in a group like that. He goes from person to person. But I saw on Wednesday, Mike was just talking to one person. And I'm like, what, dude, you're just going to talk with one person tonight? But it's a powerful story as to what God did in that conversation. Yeah, um, what, typically on nights like that, I will, I will just pray and just say, Lord, just, just lead me to the right person. Help me to... to uh, have the right thing to say, and, um, and I just want this to be an encouragement to everybody as well, that if God brings somebody to you, he, God already knows that you have what, what, what that person needs to, to be handed out, right? So I got into this conversation with this guy. He's, uh, he's a former Marine. He's now working on uh, airplanes, and he was actually up from Florida uh, working on some airplanes at the Grand Rapids Airport. And he was only up here for a few days, and he said, uh, I just came out to the beach tonight. He's like, I've just been really struggling, and uh, i just just feeling like there's some missing puzzle pieces. And uh, so we started to talk through that. And um, as we were talking, I noticed that he kept referring to his dad. Um, he was re kept referring to his father as uh, the relationship that they used to have. And so I said, so what happened to your father? And he said, my father died two years ago right? And it's like, light bulb goes off. My dad died two years ago. And, um, I'm, and this, is, this guy has been just, it, it's cool to see how God just led that guy to the right spot, to the right guy. We talked through, I just talked through just a lot of the, the anger stuff that I had to deal with, a lot of the loss of joy, a lot of the uh, mental stuff. And uh, it, it was awesome. We were able to pray together. And um, just before he left that night, he just looked at me and he goes, I think I just put my puzzle back together. Mm. And uh, then he texted me from Florida uh, this week and just was so appreciative of the conversation and um, just said, would it be all right if we uh, continue to, to talk? And I was like, absolutely. So just an encouragement that God, if God brings somebody to you, you absolutely have what, they're, what God knows that they need.
That's awesome. That's awesome. There's another group that was there, and we have a picture of uh, them up on the screen. A group of high school students praying because one of their friends came up to us, came up to the group, and said, hey, I heard that you were sharing the gospel this afternoon with some people, and I wasn't here, and I didn't hear it. Can you share the gospel with me? What, like, a, just a softball, here you go. <laughs> and a guy from Every Heart shared the gospel with that group, with their one friend, and there they are praying. Now, I don't know what happened as a result of that, but here they were praying for their friend. And here is a group of high school students, and let this just encourage you, that meets together every week at 6.30 in the morning to open up uh, the Word of God and to pray in their school, in their public school. God is moving, and their hearts are just so set ablaze. I had a conversation with a man who was out there um, just going to the beach with his kids, and he came up and he grabbed a hamburger and was talking, and uh, he just talked about how difficult his marriage has been. And how, how hard it is. And we were able to challenge one another and uh, able to, to share with one another what it uh, means to be a real man that we have to lay down our lives. And he says, yeah, I know that it's so difficult, but I need to do that. And he's a brother in Christ, like he's a believer. And uh, we were able to challenge one another. And his friend who was watching all that was going on at the beach as well, he goes, I wanted to see how bold these people were. And this guy's a believer and he, he loves the Lord. And he goes, I want to see if Christians today are really bold. And he goes, wow all of you were really extremely bold in what you were saying with people as they came up. Another story, Galen Adama was standing there and he walked up to a, a car of two ladies who were just watching the sunset, two ladies who didn't know Jesus. And he said, hey, do you want a hamburger? He's like, no, we're fine. We're just watching the sunset. Hey, can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, they, they just shared what was going on in their life. And Galen, through the window, was able to pray with them. Amazing testimony after testimony, and I got a text from a dear friend of mine on Thursday, and this is what it said after Wednesday night, up on the screen. It said this, rumor has it, your group met some of my colleagues last night. You all made an impact. Great job. This text is from somebody who I would say is walking away from the Lord right now, whose heart is hard. And his coworkers we're still talking about what happened the night before at work the next day, and it got his attention. God is moving. Like, there's so many stories, as I just thought about from this week, Friday, there was another Jesus rally down at Collin Park, and here's a picture of a guy getting baptized in Lake Makatawa. Like, we know what Lake Makatawa has in it. Like, that's not the place to get baptized, but here God is moving. And you think, like, okay, this is just from this past week, but I actually uh, panned out and just thought about all your lives. I look around here, and there are so many stories of God's goodness and faithfulness in so many ways that God is moving. I opened up Facebook just to waste some time yesterday, and uh, uh, Tabitha Walters posted about the Whitemans and their story on Wood TV 8, and you'll uh, see it later today. But here in the midst, in the midst of difficulty that they're facing in life, that they're walking through, here the news picks up this story about Lisa and Eva and their relationship, and how God is walking with them in the midst of their journey. A testimony to God's faithfulness. You know, what was already shared already this morning was you know, Rick opening up his home. Countless stories. Amazing ways that God's grace has been poured through that man uh, into so many different lives. 
I think of the number of, of guys that are going into the jail every week and sharing the hope of Jesus with people there. And then I just look around uh, in this room and numerous people, I could go like story after story, I could call people out. Ways that you're stepping into the difficult situations of life and bringing the hope of Jesus into a hurt and struggling world. And just last night, I won't go into all the details because I, frankly I don't know about them, but on the men's group chat, there was a request for prayer. A young man who was struggling. And guys started to pray. And then all of a sudden, a comment came up and said, hey, I just spent time with this person. We prayed with this person. They're feeling much better. Late night, Saturday night, running into a situation that was difficult. We need to celebrate all that Jesus is doing. I know in West Michigan, we, we, we preach and we teach. We got to do this and that. But I just wanted to pause a second and just celebrate what God is doing. He is moving. And I think forward to this Saturday and the men who are so geeked about this upcoming men's advance and, and wanting to see more lives transformed by the, by the Holy Spirit. God is on the move. And our eyes have to be open to see this. And we can either look at the problems in our lives or we can choose to see how God's kingdom is constantly advancing. Because it is. This morning I want to look at John 6. And I just want to look at a couple, different, a couple verses. And this is not going to be like a thorough teaching. But John 6, it's just a story of Jesus uh, had just fed the 5,000. And uh, he sent his disciples afterwards. He sent them across the sea. And he didn't go with them because he just went away to pray. And um, later that night, as the disciples were going across the sea, the storm started to rage. And they were getting a little freaked out. And then all of a sudden, they saw this person walking on the water. And they're like, whoa, it's Jesus. He walked on the water. And then he got into the boat. And the uh, wind and the waves calmed down. And then they get to the other side, and the people who were fed the day before, they're like, where did Jesus go? And they found out that he was on the other side, and so they went to the other side, and they say, how did you get here? And uh, he went on, and he started to teach. And he said, you're only coming to me because your stomachs are hungry. You want to be fed one more time. But Jesus was always offering more, inviting people into more. And he used this opportunity to say, you have to go all in with me. You have to eat my body and drink my blood, otherwise you have no part to me. And it's not like he's inviting them to be a cannibal. No, he's saying, you have to put all of your faith in me. Surrender to me completely. And this was a hard teaching, and people started to walk away. And we'll pick, up on John, pick this up in John 6, verse 60. It said, when many of his disciples heard this teaching, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the very beginning those who... Those who for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I've been wrecked by that passage the last little bit. Here the crowds were coming after Jesus. 
They were following after him hard, and they said they wanted just their bellies to be full, and he invited them into a deeper relationship, but a relationship that would count them, cost them something. And one by one, they started to leave, and he looks at the disciples, and he says, are you going to go else? Are you going to go as well? And Simon Peter popped up, and he said, no, Lord, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words to eternal life. You are the only one who satisfies the deepest part of our souls. I look at Simon Peter's words, and then I look out at all of you, and I get excited because we have come to that realization. As we look at life, as we look at so many things that this world has to offer, we look at it and we say, where else are we going to go? Only Jesus has the words to eternal life. Only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus gives us purpose. Only Jesus gives us meaning. I was talking to a friend the other week, talking about problems and talking about different things. And they looked at me and they said, why do we keep doing this? And I went to this verse and I said, because I have experienced this and I know this to be true, where else am I going to go? What else am I going to do? Only Jesus has the words to eternal life. Only Jesus satisfies. But then I look at the other part of it and I think about the testimonies and I think about all the people that we encounter on a daily basis, people that are searching, people that are longing, people that are broken. And we have the truth that they need to hear only Jesus satisfies. For over 25 years I've been doing this. The only person that I have seen transform a life, the only person that I've seen deliver people, the only person that I've seen heal people, the only person that I've seen restore marriages, the only person that I have seen give life and meaning to people is Jesus. And he's worth it all for us to be like Simon Peter to say, who else? Who else are we going to follow? You alone have the words to eternal life. But I look at this. I look at this language, the language of Peter, and it's all in language. It's not just, hey, I'm going to follow you once, you know, once or twice a week, and then I'm going to live my life how I want to. No, it's you alone. I'm going all in with you. And too often in West Michigan, we like to dip our toe into following Jesus We like to add Jesus to our life, but that's not the Christianity we see in Scripture. There is this constant invitation to go all in, to surrender all to King Jesus because he's worth it. I share those stories of these young people going all in. You might be sitting here thinking about yourself. You're like, well, that's great that God works through young people. Is there any hope for us older people? Are we just done Is there any hope for Barry Newman? (laughs) I want to share a story that I came across yesterday, and probably some of you know this story. Go back to the 1850s. Actually, a little bit before, it was 1848 when gold nuggets were found in California. It unleashed the gold rush of 1949. That's where the name 49ers comes from, the gold rush of 1849. As a result, the country saw prosperity and the supply of money greatly increased all over the country. There was economic prosperity, but in the mid-1950s, a couple years later, gold mining had slowed down, which caused some concern. In 1857, there was uncertain times. It's actually known as the Panic of 1857. There was a financial crisis caused by declining international economy, and all over um, the domestic economy from it being expanded was uh, starting to slow down. 
There was new technology back in the mid-1800s called the telegraph, and so word of this financial crisis spread all throughout the country. Additionally, the world economy was so interconnected, which made the Panic of 1857 the first worldwide economic crisis. Additionally, on August 24 of 1857, the largest flour and grain company in New York City failed. Couldn't pay its bills. Stock market started to decline. There was a slow sell-off of the market, and railroad stock, which was at a high, all-time high at the time, started to fall. Companies faced difficulty. Farmers experienced loss. Additionally, there was racial tensions that existed because the Supreme Court just made a decision back in the mid-1800s that slaves couldn't own land because they weren't citizens. Into that world, there was a man named Jeremiah Lampier, 48 years old. There's a picture of him up on the screen. What's up, Jerry? Nice-looking guy. Ordinary man in New York City, 48 years old. No professional training, had a heart for Jesus, wanted to see the city of New York reached with the gospel. So he started to share tracts with people. He would visit local businesses. He would invite kids to Sunday school. Nothing really worked. He determined to start a weekly noon prayer meeting for businessmen that would take advantage of that hour when businesses were closed for lunch. He printed a flyer that read, Wednesday prayer meeting from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Stop in for 5, 10, or 20 minutes, or the whole time as your time admits. On September 23, 1857, in the midst of the panic of 1857, he set up a sign in front of the church, come in for prayer. No one showed up. Lampier prayed by himself for 30 minutes. 30 minutes by himself. At 12.30, one man joined him. And by the end of the hour, there were four. Four men praying together, September 23, 1857. By the next week, there were 20 men. The following week, there were 40 men. In October, it became daily that they would get together to pray. And by mid-March of 1858, thousands were coming together to pray. At the end of March, every downtown New York church and public hall was filled to capacity as there were thousands of men gathering daily for prayer. As a result, prayer meetings started to pop up all over the country, and as a result, there was an increased passion for the gospel. And between 1858 and 1859, a million people gave their life to Jesus, 3% of the population of the United States. In today's numbers, there's 330 million people in the United States. That would be 10 million people giving their life to Jesus. Dwight Moody, the great evangelist, towards the end of his life, said he wanted to go back to 1857 to see the whole church ignited with a passion for the gospel like it was in 1857. In 1857, there was uncertainty, financial uncertainty in our, in our, in our world, which led to prayer, increased prayer, which led to an increased passion for the gospel. You look at 1970, and the same thing was happening. There was an uncertainty, and there was an up, uh, uptick in prayer taking a passion for the gospel that, we, that re- resulted in the Jesus Revolution. I get to 2023 and the age that we're in right now, and I, and I would dare say all of us, are believing for another Jesus Revolution, another Jesus movement, another generation of people that will live wholeheartedly for Jesus, to see the world changed by the gospel. There's uncertainty. 
We all know this. There's uncertainty in the world. I mean, we're just a couple years past from COVID. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's economic uncertainty, not just racial tensions, but tensions everywhere. I was just driving to Hudsonville yesterday, and I got flipped off by it for no reason. This guy was just mad. I'm like, there's tension everywhere. People are searching for solutions in sexuality, addictions, and greed, and gossip, looking for acceptance and popularity on social media, and it's leaving them empty. There's a hunger in people that can only be satisfied by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, though, there's prayer is increasing. I won't go into all the details. I'll do that later. But prayer is increasing across our community and across the world, and there's an increased passion for the gospel. People are uniting around the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there's a boldness that's not just rising up in all of you, but all around the United States. You know, Jesus said, and I believe this, he said that the harvest is plentiful. Every time we go out, we see people whose hearts are ripe for the gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I look at Restoration Church as I get to this little update. Get to us. This is a community of laborers. This is a community of people who want to live their lives for the gospel. A community of people that are looking to go out and share the gospel of Jesus with people. And I look back at the last couple months. Go back to April 16th. We had a little family meeting here. And we shared about conversations that we're having with Victory Point and different people. Talked about the difficulty. Talked and said there's no decision that has been made. That we're just going to pray and talk. And church is in a business. We're just a spiritual family and we just need to talk with one another. And people shared. People shared that it was interesting that uh, Victory Point was like-minded and it makes sense and they appreciated the leadership and prayer, understanding that people were tired. But then the emails started to come in. And I want to read a couple of these. I won't mention names. But this person on April 30th, thank you so much for the special service this morning. I stood in the back, observing and recognizing that no other church has something special like this. Sure, other churches have their own style that is special. I don't say this with pride. I say it in love and truth. But we have something unique and special, and I'm concerned that we will lose this if we merge with Victory Point. I love and cherish how special our church family is. Don't overthink this journey. Come back to simplicity. Come back to a love of Jesus and a love for people. I'm continuing to pray for all of you. And then text messages came in. Dave, I stayed for a good portion of your service this morning. In worshiping and observing those in worship, it would be very hard to say restoration can't and hasn't been able to worship in the space that they've been using. So the question in my mind it becomes of, is it becomes of the heart, which tends to follow wherever we go. I will continue to pray God's will be done. It is well with my soul. And then another text came in. Dave, as I and we continue to pray, seek and listen to what and where God is leading and preparing his body. I know he has it in control. It's his church after all. That is what we must live into with all the strength and days he gives us. Worshiping with restoration has been a blessing and was a blessing this morning as usual. Looking at those in attendance, the nucleus of the body has changed in numbers and mix, but God's presence and the worship of it hasn't. Too often we equate numbers with success, man's success. Wondering what Gideon thought when preparing for battle and God said, send them home. In our weakness, he is strong. God may be thinning the numbers so we are better prepared to do the work he has planned in advance for us to help with. 
And then somebody said, probably a better conversation in person, but I keep thinking about what does it look like to work in collaboration with Victory Point? I may not understand all the struggles that you have, kids ministry, youth groups, worship team, all that, but it seems that collaborating, collaborating with a like-minded body would help with this. And then last one, and I love this one. In, May, in the middle of May, I feel like we are too new to give any feedback that matters. Which, if this is your first Sunday, feel free to give feedback. You're not too new. I'd love to hear it. Just want to say that our few weeks at Restoration has been refreshing. The people here seem genuine. My flesh says, keep it going this way no matter what needs to happen. God will be God no matter what happens. Have peace in that. The New Testament seems to make church pretty simple. Love the prayer requests. Love the prayer time, even though it makes some uncomfortable. Love the reading. Love the teaching of the word. Love how intentional people are to get to know you. And in giving, add in giving, sending, and going locally into the three billion unreached, and I think you've nailed it. Other conversations that I've had with people. People said, don't give up. Keep going. And then our conversations with Victory Point continued. And they asked us, they're like, what are, what are you asking us to do? Are we supposed to enfold you, which means losing your identity, or just encourage you? If we came together, it would be more of uh, us, all of us, joining them, more of an adoption, not two coming together like a marriage. And then they said this, they see a need for restoration in this community and don't want to see our identity go away. They don't want us to give up the vision that the Lord has for us. And what is that vision? And I've said this a couple weeks ago. We can come up with a nice statement to put up on a wall, but unless it's lived out, it's not really a vision. And that's why I love to share pictures of what God is doing because what I shared with all of you this morning, that's the vision that the Lord has given us, to go to the lost, to go to this world with the hope of Jesus and know that sometimes we're going to get beat up and we're going to come in discouraged, but to be built back up in this place, to be equipped and encouraged and empowered by the Holy Spirit, to go back out again because this world needs Jesus. God has given us something unique. And what is our vision? We're not after building a building, but being the best body we can be, just everyday followers of Jesus who are in love with him, who want the world to encounter Jesus. We want to be a prophet to our culture, calling people back to Jesus. In order to do that, we can't be a product of our culture. And so what does this mean for us? After a lot of prayer with the leadership team and, and conversations and being a spiritual family, like I love this, like we really took everything in uh, that everybody was saying. And it wasn't like I was looking to be manipulated by people or we were looking to see, okay, what, is, what are people saying? I frankly, and this is me just being honest, I'm tired of people coming into a church with just this vision like, hey, here we are, and then everybody else has to follow. We're a spiritual family and I'm trying to get a sense of what is the Holy Spirit saying to all of us. And this is where we're at. Summer of 2023, a little phrase that I have uh, came up with. It's just a summer of hunger, hungering for Jesus. As of right now, we're going to continue to meet at, on Sundays at 1030. Now, right now, frankly, we're talking with Bethel about moving that time up. Uh, but even at 1030, we want people to be ready to go at 1030. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, what does it look like to connect beforehand, um, just meet maybe out uh, in the parking lot and fellowship there, but to be ready to go at 1030. We're going to have simple gatherings this summer, simple gatherings of worship and prayer and a shorter message and words like praying into specific things. Kids are going to be in the service. We're going to have nursery through three or four years old. You can make that decision. 
But I love having kids in here because I don't mind the noise, but like I said before, they need to see us worshiping and praying because more is caught than taught. And we will be done by around 11.30, unless revival breaks out, then we're going to continue. <laughs> but our big focus is going to be our hearts, a hunger for the Lord, restoring that first love that we had in Jesus. But then you think, well, what about the tiredness? Well, frankly, tiredness went away when you see God move in so powerful ways. That's just another side. But what about the tiredness? And this is where Victory Point comes in, and they have been so wonderful. They're saying, why don't we worship together a couple times this summer? around the holidays, to give people a break. And so on the following Sundays, and I'll put this out on the website and everything, on June 18, Father's Day, on July 2, we're going to worship together at Victory Point at 10 o'clock. And then July 30th, they have already rented Camp Geneva out, and they're going to come together in that afternoon, and they invited us to come with them to have an afternoon of swimming in the lake, swimming in the pool, and watching people get baptized. And so July 30th is going to be an afternoon at Camp Geneva where we see people get baptized, and then on August 20, there's going to be an outdoor service together. But additionally, to this summer of hunger, we want to continue to connect together as a community, to get to know one another, to share stories with each other. And so there's going to be gatherings outside of a Sunday gathering where we're just calling just a summer of connection, times when we can get together. And the first one's going to be June 15 at uh, my house, Dave and Cece's house, downtown Zealand, 21 East Central. Come together. We're going to have a meal and uh, bring a side dish to pass. It's uh, an evening, a Thursday evening, where there's going to be music on Main Street and there's a splash pad. Bring the kids. We're just going to come together for an evening of fellowship. And then June 29, 6 p.m. at the Gruppins, and then there's one being planned for July. And then finally, as we look forward to the fall, I get excited because of what I see God doing. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And God is bringing people to us. We've partnered with Overland Missions for the last couple years, working closely with them. And they are sending four or five people to work with us. One is possibly a worship leader. Pray that that person comes. <laughs> but they're going into the schools, working with young people, having Bible studies, raising up people to go on expeditions all across the nation, all across the world with the gospel. And this will be done in collaboration with Victory Point. My opinion, churches don't need to do youth ministry alone. They can come together and do something together instead of all of us having our own different things because for so many years, young people go with where their friends are going. So we don't need to have just our own little things. So we're going to work in collaboration with them. And then also, Every Heart and Met by Love, there's a growing partnership with them, and they'll be back, and we'll have worship nights, and we'll have different things. And again, we're doing that with Victory Point in the fall. So I look to the fall, and I look to things that are coming, and I get so excited because I look at all you. Harvest is plentiful, but there are laborers in this room that are ready to go. And for the rest of my life, I want to pray and work to see another great awakening to see people gripped by the gospel, to see people's lives transformed, all for the glory of Jesus. We want to be part of a spirit-filled community where people are all in living for this, living for the glory of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And God is calling us to go all in, all for his glory. And so I want us to stand. I want to pray, and then we're going to enjoy some cake together. I'm going to ask us to sing a cappella. I'll lead us. But Piper, can you put up the first 
Put up that song at the very end. I want us to sing this together as we close. And this is more than just a song. This is our prayer. So let's sing it. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Next verse. Oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. Lord, as I think about what you did in the 1850s, what you did in the 70s, what you did in the 90s, we are standing here today and the cry of our heart is, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Would you pour out your Spirit on this country to where lives are transformed and people are brought into relationship with you, Father, through your Son, Jesus? But I know as we pray that, Lord, you work through people. And so would you ignite in us a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you restore unto us that first love? Would you ignite that flame deep inside of us where we can't help but talk about you? We can't contain it. God, we know that this country is in a dark spot, is in a, in a ton of hurt. And the only one who has the answer is you, Jesus. And so we're asking, God, that you would move in a powerful way. Jesus, we agree with your words that the harvest is plentiful. But you said that their workers are few, to pray earnestly for workers for your harvest. Well, here we are. Send us. We will go wherever you want us to go, all for your glory. Because we want to see lives transformed. We want to see revival. We want to see people set free. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. At this time, you're dismissed. The cake is on the table, so you can go get cake. God bless and have a great Sunday.